good to see you on this Lord's Day. This day when we're going to, as a church, observe the Lord's Supper together. Um, on that note, um, we are still not passing the elements as we have done, as we had done before COVID. So um, there's a basket on the back table here, right behind the center aisle. If, if you're going to participate this morning and did not get one, um, feel free to, to get up and go get that right now. We'll all just stare at you. We do want you to, to be able to partake, and so if you didn't get one, did y'all get one yet? Okay. Um, Joey, can you go get four for these folks? Okay. Um, a few announcements to make. Uh, first of all, um, tomorrow begins Vacation Bible School. Um, we have Vacation Bible School for incoming kindergarten students through incoming 7th grade students. You can see where the, the team has already begun to decorate, and uh, we are excited about what next week is going to hold. The theme is Destination Dig. That's why you see things looking sort of like ancient ruins. There's an archaeology theme. And so Destination Dig, Unearthing the Truth About Jesus. Um, if you know kiddos that would be interested in coming, make sure you point them our way. Uh, we certainly want to have this open to anybody and everybody in the community uh, that falls into this age range. Uh, and then you still, if you haven't had a chance to, you can pre-register your kids at the church website, and that's quick and easy to do. Um, a second announcement is um, the T-shirts will be here tomorrow. Is that correct, Miss Owen? No, they're here today. They're here today. They cost 11 22, 11 for you, 11 for, uh, they're $11, so you can, um, I guess, pay Marsha, that'd be easiest, or you want to? Yes, sure, if they give it to me, I can pass Okay, so it's $11 for a t-shirt, so make sure that you get that today, uh, and then also, there is a need for cookies for Friday night, Friday night is our family night, so if you'd be interested in helping to make cookies, supply cookies for Friday night, make sure you talk to Kelly Broyles. Um, about that. She's not here today, but you should be able to get in touch with her throughout the week if you're willing to help. I'm also praying for VBS. This is one of the major outreaches for our church. Um, you know, there's a there's a correlation. It's it's a low one, but there's a correlation between parents coming to I'm sorry, kids coming to the Lord and their parents. It's a whole lot more likely if the husband comes to the Lord if the rest of the family will. But it has been shown that when children come to the Lord that it will the gospel has a foothold or an opportunity in the house. And so th this is not something small. This is huge for us to do this. We see this as gospel ministry. One final thing, if you're still interested in going to Central Kid Preteen Camp, make sure you let Jerry know. That's the 21st of the 25th of June. Make sure you let Jerry know, and, and he will uh, get you signed up. Jerry. you have not yet signed up and you want to go, you need to hurry up and see Jerry um, and, and get that handled because Jared made it sound like he's going to send in the money next week. Any other announcements? All right. Um, this morning's service is going to be a little bit different. The order is changed some just for the purpose of helping us to observe the Lord's Supper together in, in a biblical way. So we do especially want to do that today. So at this time, would all the kids come forward? We're going to have the children's sermon.
before we go any further in the service. Yay, we get to be first today. You guys like balloons? Balloons are so much fun. If some of you big kids out there like balloons, Waylon or anybody, if y'all want to <laughs> come up here and sit with us. Um, today, I'm going to give you guys a balloon, but I, you can't play with it until after church, okay? Is that ideal? All right, so let's pretend that these balloons are like members of the church, okay? So... We have some tall, skinny members that have bumps on them. You want to take this? Okay, hold this. And we have some round, fat members like this. We have some real, real skinny members like this. All kinds of different balloons. There's a, there's a white, round one and a a red round one and here's look here I'm gonna give you let's see here's water balloons those are fun here those are little bitty so here's a, a big green one y'all can change later with me if you want to come see me after church so here's another tall bumpy one here we go. What have we got? Um, but we're, we're going to just pretend that these are like the church. And you know the church is, you want to hand one to Tatum and Walker. And who doesn't have one yet? Anybody? Somebody down there? Here's a, a, a tall white one. Everybody have one? Did y'all know that they make them? This special balloon pump so you don't mess up your lipstick. <laughs> Did you know that? This is fun because now you don't have to mess up your lipstick. And here's a pa whole package of water balloons. Okay, so all those balloons, we're going to pretend like those are members of the church and we're all different, right? But what good is this balloon if it's just like this. You can't do anything with it because it doesn't have any what in it? Air. Nobody has blown air into this balloon because when you blow them up, you can throw them up in the air and hit them and you can fill them with water and throw water balloons at each other. Are these you can make animals out of? Y'all have seen balloon art, right? That you can, okay. Um, we're all familiar with Christmas, and we celebrate what? The birth of Jesus. And Easter, right? His resurrection. Last week, Pastor Shannon mentioned another very special day that was last Sunday, and it's called Pentecost. Do you remember him saying that word? It's, it's 50 days after Jesus came out of the tomb and God the Father sent the Holy Spirit to fill the church. Now remember, the church isn't a building. 
It's the people in the building. So the Holy Spirit came and filled everybody up with his spirit, just like we fill these balloons up. Let's see if I can do this. I want to see how this works. Um, now that this balloon has air in it, it can do what it's designed to do. Throw it up in the air. That's right. Throw it up in the air. But it, it can never fulfill its purpose until it's filled with air. Exactly. <laughs> We're the same way as members of the church. Until the Holy Spirit comes and fills us, we can never fulfill our purpose. And so that's what we were celebrating last Sunday was Pentecost, the day that the Holy Spirit came and filled. Do you want me to blow yours up? Okay, I'll do that. Uh, but we, we didn't talk about it. Pastor Shannon did. And I think that we should celebrate Pentecost as much as we celebrate Easter and Christmas because it's when the Holy Spirit came and filled up the church. Let me see if I can tie this for you, okay? Can you wait until after church to play with it? Oh, I see, yeah. Okay, I'll tell you what, you're going to have to. Here's something else you can do with balloons. Thank you, Lord, for these beautiful children. And Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, that you sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of your church, inside of the people who make up your church. And Father, I just pray that we will fulfill our purpose that you created us for as you fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Before Shannon comes and... It begins this portion of our service. Paul wanted me to remind y'all that um, that gold box out there where he's still taking a collection for the pastor and his family is a love offering. So. Um, just to remind you again, back there on that back table is um, the individual serve cups for the Lord's Supper if you're going to partake in that today, which we will be doing. Um, mentioned just a minute ago that the service is does have a different order to it um, and it's for the purpose of helping us to um, get our minds and our hearts right as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Uh, the beginning of the service will be a little bit more um, reflective, getting us to remember uh, why we need salvation, how costly it was for God to give it to us through His Son, then we'll receive the supper together. Then afterwards, and I told the musicians this morning, we're going to raise the roof. Uh, because we have much to celebrate because of what God has done for us in Christ. And we ought to celebrate. So that's why the last two songs are going to have a little bit more pizzazz in them than the first two. To get us started off on the right foot this morning, I want to read from Isaiah 55. Excuse me just one moment while I... Um, 
Come everyone, this is Isaiah 55. Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Let's stand and worship together.
the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. You would take your copy of God's Word. Turn to the book of Titus, chapter 3. Titus, chapter 3. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, you should find a hardback black one somewhere around you. If you'll turn to the back of the Bible, this is a New Testament, and find page 168, you will be at Titus, chapter 3. We're going to focus uh, a short period of time this morning um, on uh, this particular section of Scripture just to remind us of what God has done for us Christ, who we once were, and what God has done for us in Christ. So we'll be focusing on verses 3 through 7. Would you stand for the reading of God's Word? This is Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7, and this is God's Word. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. But when the, loving, the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, that we get a visible reminder, a visible sermon today on what the price that had to be paid, what it was for salvation, that we might have salvation by grace through faith because of your mercy and your love, that it would be offered to us full and free. Help us to um, rejoice, to think critically about what's been done for us, to let it fill our heart with gladness and thanksgiving and joy. And help it to remind us of the job that is not yet finished, where there are those on this earth that do not yet know you. And we pray that you would um, motivate us and guide us and lead us into this, that service. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Paul again is, Paul loves the gospel. Um, as Christians, we all ought to love the gospel. You never graduate from the gospel. Uh, it is the means of salvation, the good news of what God has done for us in Christ. And even though we have it preached to us, it is good news, we understand it, we still ought to look back to it. Because what God did for us in Christ at the cross is something we need all day, every day. So that's why Paul, in his letters, his messages, he always connected things to the gospel because God has done something significant for us in Christ. Then we have, there's a burden placed upon us to live out what God has worked in. So again, this is really, um, this could almost go on a tract. 
Paul was to write a tract, he might say exactly what we see here today. Paul describes in verse 3 our need for salvation. Our need for salvation. Notice in verse 3 that there are seven different um, types of sin that Paul talks about. Uh, You can count them in your Bible. Paul is not all-inclusive. There's more Paul could say in, in relation to sin. He hasn't given us a laundry list. But it is as if Paul, in giving us a list of seven, is saying sin is, um, in talking about their past, he's saying that you are completely, completely under the control of sin, thereby your need for salvation. And the way that Paul talks about sin controlling um, former pagans, he talks about it in a number of ways. First of all, he says sin deceives. He says in verse 3, we ourselves were once foolish. What he means by the word foolish is not in a sense of, man, that was a goofy thing to do. I should have thought better about how to do that. What he's talking about is a lack of spiritual understanding where people have no idea that they are caught in sin, destined for wrath and in need of a Savior. That's what foolish means. Sin also deceives in that, he says, we were also led astray. So not only are we deceived in and of ourselves, there is a deceiving deceiving, um, influence on pagans from the outside. And so they are deceived from the inside and deceived from the outside. But furthermore, sin disobeys. Paul says, we ourselves were disobedient, unable and unwilling to obey. Sin also dictates. He says, we ourselves were slaves to various passions and pleasures. Slaves are unable to make their own decisions. Their decisions are more or less made for them. They are enslaved to a particular role in their life. He says that that our slavery to sin dictated to us how we lived, the focus of our life. Sin also detests. He says, we ourselves were passing our days in malice and envy. In terms of detesting, passing our days in malice, Paul wants us to understand that word malice means that mean-spirited. Once we were mean-spirited and vicious, but then sin also desires, passing our days in malice and envy having the resentment and spite toward the success or the possessions of another. Finally, sin destroys. He says we we ourselves were hated by others and hating one another. We're unable, excuse me, to love our neighbor. We were unsaved and unable to save ourselves. We were objects of wrath that were destined for wrath. Since we are unable to save ourselves, where would our salvation come from? Paul says in verse 4 that the goodness of loving and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared. God was the Savior. He is the source of our salvation. It says that the loving kindness, the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared. God had always been a God of loving kindness. That term there doesn't, it's not the covenant term that we're used to associating. Um, in, in this particular word, it's more about God looking down upon suffering humanity 
having a heart for their suffering and wanting to be, uh, in being willing and able to help. And so Paul says, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. By appeared, he's talking about Jesus, that Jesus Christ came into sight. That's what that word appear literally means, that Jesus in his incarnation, his ministry, his life, death, and resurrection, he appeared on the scene, on the pages of human history. He walked in real human flesh on the earth. But then also, there's more than that. None of us have seen Jesus. So how did God, God the Savior, his goodness and loving kindness appear to us? It appeared to us when the Holy Spirit convicted us of our sin, gave us the faith in order to believe, and we were regenerated. It's, it's as if our, the blinders had been taken off our eyes, and now the loving kindness and goodness of God appeared to us that we might have salvation. So God is the one who must say, we cannot do it ourselves. What is the ground of God's salvation? Why does he even want to save? Verse 5 tells us, his mercy. His mercy. Now, when we think of mercy, uh, we need to think of this in terms of, <clears throat> put it in the framework of justice, like a law court. Now, there will be, in, in the proceedings of law, um, in, in trials in, in the U.S., where judges will demonstrate leniency and, and mercy and not give a person what they really deserve. And at times, if you're the one who's been offended, you really don't like that. Because why have the law in the first place if the person who commits the offense is only going to get a slap on the hand? Well, that's not what God did. We're not getting a slap on the hand. God is able to give us salvation because of mercy. And his mercy is available to us because of his perfect justice. Paul writes elsewhere that God is both just and the justifier. God perfectly punished Christ in our place for sin. And having done so, now God is free to demonstrate mercy because the law has not been diminished and because punishment has been fully paid. Now God can give mercy to those who come to him in Christ through faith. So God's ground of salvation is mercy. But his means, how he does it, it says in verse 5, he saved us. Now there's it's a longer sentence in the Greek, but we could really just say there, period, paragraph. He saved us. God delivered us from sin and judgment. How did God do that? Verse 7 tells us, it says, so that having been justified, justified, how did God save us? He justified us. When he saved us, he justified us. When we think of justification, we need to think of two things. Again, this is in the framework of a legal system. And when a person who has been indicted and brought to trial, when they are justified, which we all, because we are sinners by nature, we are sinners by practice, we have offended God, and we stand before him at the bar of his judgment, and he is able to declare us, first, not guilty. Why? Because Christ, who lived a sinless life in our place, died in our place. So Christ's sinless record is imputed to us. It is credited to our account 
as if we had never sinned. But then secondly, when God justifies us, it, as, it is as if we had always obeyed, as if we had never sinned and if we had always obeyed. We have Christ's sinless, perfect righteousness credited to our account, imputed to us, as well as his perfect record of obedience. So therefore, on that note, God can save us. But then also notice verse 7 says, being justified by his grace. We must know the difference between grace and mercy. Mercy is not getting what you really deserve. We all deserve hell. That's what we deserve. And when God saves us, he gives us something we don't deserve. Now, grace is getting what you did not earn. There is no way in a thousand lifetimes you and I could do enough to pay, to atone for our sins. And so God, out of his grace saves us. And to make sure that we understand, Paul says, verse 5, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. We did not earn it. We do not deserve it. We have not received what we really deserve, but God has saved us. What is God's purpose or goal for salvation? Verse 7. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That we, formerly enemies, cut off from God, can now not only be brought near to God through Christ, but also to be adopted into the family and have a future hope as an inheritance as God's heirs in Christ. That's what God has done for us. That is why we stop at least every fifth Sunday and we take a piece of bread and we remember that it symbolizes the broken body of our Savior. And we take the juice, and we remember that it's his blood that was spilt for us. For apart from what God did in Christ, we are all doomed. But because of what God has done for us in Christ, we have so many reasons to rejoice. Let's pray together. Father, again, we are grateful, thankful for all that you've done for us in Christ. We are not worthy. But we know that it is your nature to show grace and how grateful we are. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite us at this point to come to the table. Now, there is no table. But I just want you to understand that um, in giving the invitation, <clears throat> it's inviting all of us who are Christians to come and partake of what God has done for us in Christ through this symbol, through this memorial meal known as the Lord's Supper. Samuel Crossman, who was a 17th century songwriter, wrote a song called, My Song is Love Unknown. And I'm going to read you one part of a verse. 
He says, my song is love unknown, my Savior's love to me. Love to the loveless shown that they might lovely be. Who am I that for my sake, my Lord should take frail flesh and die? He hits the nail on the head, doesn't he? I mean, let's ask more questions. Who are we that we find ourselves like Noah and his family on that ark of salvation, escaping the judgment of God as the floodwaters prevail on the earth? And who are we that like Israel of old, the angel of death should pass over us? And who are we that Jesus, the very creator and sustainer of this world, should take on frail flesh and die? Who are we? We come to this table today with a sense of awe and gratitude for the salvation provided by our Savior. For we have been saved. We have been saved from our sin. We've been saved from eternal death. And we have been saved by the, from the wrath of God. And for such a salvation, we celebrate today this good and holy meal. Let's be reminded of what Paul wrote for us in 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23. He says, For I received from the Lord what I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this bread, eat this bread, and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Lord, we do not presume to come to your table trusting in our own righteousness, but in your many and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to even gather up the crumbs under your table. But you are the same Lord whose nature it is always to have mercy. So grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat of the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that we... May evermore dwell in him and he in us. Amen. As a minister of the gospel, it is my solemn duty to guard the Lord's table. From those who do not yet trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation and, and from those who do trust in Christ for their salvation but, are, but who are now living in secret and unrepentant sin. If this describes you, for your own spiritual well-being, it is my duty to ask you not to participate in this holy meal, lest you partake of it in an unworthy manner, eating and drinking condemnation upon yourselves. Yet, as a gospel minister, it is also my solemn duty to open this table for repentant and, and trusting sinners. For this table is not for those who are free from sin. This table is for those who are humble of heart and contrite in spirit. God invites to this supper all sinners who confess utter dependence for pardon and cleansing based on the perfect sacrifice of Christ. Sinners who base their hope of eternal life on the perfect obedience and righteousness of Jesus. And sinners who seek by the power of the Spirit to crucify their old natures and to continue to follow Christ. 
Let us therefore, heeding the instructions given by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, examine our minds and our hearts to determine whether or not we should partake of this meal. Now I want to lead us through a time of confession. This will not be a time when you open your mouth and begin to confess in front of everyone else whatever sin God has brought to your mind. This is a corporate confession. We will read something on the screen together and then I will allow time for the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to, for you to unburden your soul of any sin. So, let's read this together. Heavenly Father, you have loved us with an everlasting love, but we have often gone our own way and rejected your will for our lives. We are sorry for our sins and turn away from them. For the sake of your Son who died for us, forgive us, cleanse us, and change us. By your Holy Spirit, enable us to live for you and to please you in every way for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now take a few moments and let the Spirit speak to you. Confess anything that is brought to your mind. look at the screen. This is a promise for us from 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Before we partake of the bread, um, if you will take your little individual serve packet and open the top, the, the part where the bread is. If you'll take that out, just hold it. I'll say a prayer for the bread, and then we will partake together. Let's pray. Christ Jesus, when you came into the world, you said to the Father, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then you said, Become, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. And then you came in the incarnation, and by a single offering of your body on the cross, you achieved what all the offerings on Jewish altars could never accomplish, the complete forgiveness of our sins. Bread of heaven, as we now partake of this symbol, ravish our hearts and refresh our souls. In Christ's name, amen. Take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your heart by faith with thanksgiving. have a prayer for the cup and then we'll open the cup and partake of it. Lord Jesus, you are the lover of our souls. And in Gethsemane, you looked into the cup that you would have to drink in order to redeem us from our sin. And it was so awful that you prayed, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And then you did the hardest thing ever done in time and eternity. You shed your blood to secure our salvation 
so that we might sit here today at your table and partake of the cup in deep remembrance of what you did for us on the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you'll open the cup and drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you and be thankful. Romans 8, 31 to 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is it indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or persecution or distress or famine, or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long, and we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's stand and celebrate.
be seated for just a moment. Um, we all remember and recognize the importance of this particular weekend, this Memorial Day weekend. And we are grateful um, for what our forebears fought and died for. Um, we are graciously given by God the gift of being able to meet here week in and week out and not having to worry about the government coming in and threatening to close our doors. Uh, now, that's not to say that given the freedom that we have, that we don't look outside the walls and think, oh, my goodness, there's sure a lot uh, to lament about our country. And I think as well we should. But I want to encourage you today to take what this visible sermon and this text from Titus teaches us today about how we are to be before outsiders. Um, it's We live in such a polarized time, don't we? The other side is almost always the enemy. And they're enemies of some... We, we can list reasons why we would consider them to be enemies. But we must remember on this day, we just sang a song called Crown Him Lord of All. We have a higher allegiance. That being said, I think one of the best ways that we can love America is by remembering what God has done for us in Christ. That's what Paul does. Look, I want to read to you again Titus chapter 3, but I want to read verses 1 and 2 and then all the way to 7. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Why does this fit in with Memorial Day? For this reason. People may be political enemies, but we shouldn't treat them as, think of them as enemies so much that we would want to demean the opportunity to share the gospel by being unsubmissive, disobedient, by speaking evil of people, quarreling. That's why Paul mentions that. He says, don't let this be your attitude toward outsiders because Crete was a bad place. He said, instead, show how the gospel has pervaded your life, that you know why Christ died, and live out before the people a life so worthy and pleasing that it in and of itself is a provides a doorway an opportunity for you by your life to substantiate what your what your word is when you say Christ Jesus is my savior he's changed my life before we go we're going to I'm going to read and you can stand with me and I'll just read Jude 24 and 25 over you and then we will sing the doxology and be dismissed now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and 
now and forever. Amen. Let's sing together. Thank you.